and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. I'm curious, do you want to know how to achieve lasting positive transformation, abundance and empower your life? If you are not happy with where you are today and the repeating patterns that represent in your life over and over again, then a radical shift is what's required to help you make changes and live your life more on purpose. All you need to do is sign up to our email list and you will receive an online module on how to create radical paradigm shifts. You can get it completely for free when you sign up to our email list at katherineplano.com. And as a valued subscriber, you are also going to get exclusive content that's only available to our email subscribers, where we will have members-only events, free access to online masterclasses, VIP and discount tickets to all events. Only available for people on our email list, we offer bonus content with more advanced tips that are exclusive just for our email subscribers. There is an amazing stuff available for you only if you sign up to the email list and you can do that by going to katherineplano.com and sign up on the homepage. This week, as always, we have another amazing woman for you, Amelia Travis, who is an entrepreneur, a writer, speaker, yoga teacher, and business coach who has impacted thousands of lives through yoga education programs, stand-up paddle and surf experiences, and women's empowerment retreats. Amelia's journey to an empowered life wasn't easy. Body dysmorphia, people-pleasing, and perfectionist tendencies led her to drug addictions, disordered eating, abusive relationships, and a sugar baby lifestyle. Through yoga, surfing, and spirituality, Amelia found her way to healing and educating others while successfully building a multi-six-figure business serving women. She is a TEDx speaker, and her writing has been published in Yoga Journal, Huffington Post, and The Inertia. Amelia and the Stoked Yogi team are on a mission to empower millions of women to step into their power, create aligned businesses and manifest their lives of their dreams. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today I am super excited. We have Amelia Travis all the way from sunny California. Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. Thank you, Catherine. It's such a pleasure to be here. And for our listeners, I was just admiring Amelia's website 
And the name of her company, Stoked Yogi. And she was just explaining to me how it came about. How it came about. Would you like to share that with our audience, please? Of course, yeah. Stoked Yogi was a concept that came to me in my first 200-hour yoga teacher training. I was uh, daydreaming and making doodles in the margins of my notebook, thinking of the different class uh, options that I would have for my my first students. And one of the things that I thought of was Stoked Yogi, which was supposed to be a yoga class for surfers. My husband and I are both avid surfers. And so I thought that that would be a cool name for a class. And it it ended up not being very successful as a yoga class, but it ended up turning into a blog and then a lifestyle brand and then being this um, really uh, powerful movement for educating and empowering women towards positivity and, and union, which is what yoga really means. So um, now Stoked Yogi supports my entire brand, which is everything from coaching, certification programs, uh, workshops in yoga, stand-up paddleboard yoga, teacher trainings, and apparel. So it ended up a lot bigger than just a yoga class for surfers. But that's where it started. I love that. And Amelia, it's it's so um, common where you hear where either somebody's been doodling or journaling and just allowing the consciousness to flow onto the pages where some of the greatest ideas have come to fruition. Yes, I sometimes tell people I think through my pen. So as a writer and as an artist, um, I feel like that right brain consciousness just comes through in, in, in movement, right? So whether I'm moving my body in dance or yoga or whether I'm moving my pen and journaling or even with me as a writer, it even comes through when I'm typing. But, uh, I get those divine downloads when I'm just kind of allowing myself to be in the flow of whatever that is. Mm, I love that. I can relate to that. Absolutely love it. So, Amelia, we always love to start the show uh, by asking our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So tell us, how did you get to what you do today? Okay, Catherine, are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) So um, I had a bit of a tumultuous adolescence. Um, I had a, a kind of idyllic childhood, um, high-achieving parents. My father was an attorney. Mom was an accountant. Um, grew up in a privileged upper-middle-class white you know, family in Northern California. And around age uh, 13, my dad cheated on my mom and uh, left very unexpectedly. They never had conflict, but he abandoned the 23-year marriage and took off and decided to be with someone else. Um, my mom struggled with mental health issues, so she had unipolar depression. And when my dad left, my mom became suicidal. She checked herself into a mental institution. And my sister and I were uh, 14 and 15, and we're just kind of left to fend for ourselves. And we had two very different coping strategies. My sister um, became even more type A. She, she poured herself into her studies and became very diligent in the pursuit of becoming an aerospace engineer, which is what she does now. And I was like, you know, fuck this sex, drugs and rock and roll. I was like, let me go down the path of self-harm and of coping by abusing substances, choosing toxic relationships. Um, I was really, really angry. And I felt like if other people, if the most important people in my life, my parents can't be counted on to do what they say they're going to do, Why should I do anything that I said that I was going to do? So I stayed in that path of self-harm for almost a decade. From 14 to 24, I really um, went through what I call an 
an experiment or an exploration of the, the polarity, the contrast that's available in life. And during those 10 years, I went deep into the dark. Um, I dated somebody who was abusive for about six years. And when I finally left him, it wasn't really a conscious leaving. I fled. And when I fled, um, my way of reclaiming my power, or so I thought at the time from that abusive relationship was to get into the sugar baby lifestyle. Are you familiar with what that is? Catherine? Okay. So it's, it's like a mild form of prostitution, if you will. Um, it's, it's not quid pro quo, but it's basically younger women engaging in relationships, um, no strings attached relationships with older men for the exchange of money. So some people call it like an arrangement or companionship or escort. Um, I defended it to myself saying, well, I never told somebody, you know, I'll do X for this amount of money. But my boyfriends, and I put that in air quotes, were all 20 to 30 years older than me, all very wealthy. Um, and the relationship was devoid of deep emotion or at least um, commitment in that way. And, and it they were, they were a hot mess. I mean, it was, we did a lot of drugs, you know, flew on private planes, spent a bunch of money. And while it was fun in some ways, and sometimes I jokingly refer to them as my champagne and cocaine years, um, it was very, very hollow and empty in others. Um, and I, what I was trying to do was fill a spiritual void with material substances, whether that was, um, you know, alcohol or drugs or clothes or, um, or the perception of being a socialite or whatever. So it was this very ego-driven, um, dark downward spiral that I operated in for a few years. And um, that backstory is all to say that everything that happened in my life over those years, and, and a part of what I didn't mention was a deep dive into anorexia, severe anorexia for a few years, um, all of that was to give me a heart of compassion and non-judgment, especially for women um, who are navigating the wounds of gender violence and sexual violence that are so prevalent in society, so that I would then later step into my power as um, as a, an inspirational figure, a coach, and a spiritual leader for women to help educate and empower them to create greater impact, influence, and income in their lives, which is what I do now. Um, so, so basically my life was a big old mess and it was a, a series of spiritual experiences that called me back to myself or called me to the woman who I am now. Um, and that's a very long story that won't fit in probably this length of interview, but to, to abridge it as best I can, um, there was a dark night in Tennessee where someone asked me, do you believe in God? And I said, no. And they said, why? I said, because if God is real, why do I feel so empty inside? And the person said to me, they were quiet for a moment, and then they said, if God is real, then it means that there's you you can't feel emptiness unless you can be filled. So a glass is not empty unless it can be filled. So the fact that you feel empty means that there's something to fill your emptiness. And you just have to figure out what that is. And I had never really been open to the word God or the concept of there being 
um, you know, I believed in a higher consciousness, but I didn't, at that point in my life, I didn't believe that there was a purpose behind things. I kind of believed everything was chaos and, and, uh, and that we we're all just floating around in this, this energy space, um, until we die. Right. But that interesting statement of, you know, a glass is not empty unless it can be filled. Maybe since you feel empty, there's something that can fill you. It activated something in me that opened me up to seeking. And that was 10 years ago. And the last 10 years have been full of seeking um, in many different ways. And that started with just what I call the hotline, which is prayer. Um, I started without having any particular religious alignment or, you know, belief system. I started to pray. I started to talk to this thing that was bigger than myself that could maybe fill me and say, hey, you know what? I don't really believe in you, but if you're real, you know, I'm not very good at doing this life thing. And my life is a big mess and I need some help. Um, Because at that time, not only was I doing the sugar baby thing, and like I said, I was severely anorexic. I'm, I'm five foot seven and I weighed 120 pounds. I don't know what that is in kilograms. So you guys can help me out with that. Um, and I was $100,000 in unsecured personal debt. So credit card debt, because despite having these rich boyfriends and getting allowances from them, I had a spending addiction and I had drug addictions and all of those things cost money. So I was really just out of control in every area of my life. And And it wasn't until I surrendered to something greater than myself that I started to experience the momentum and the, the alignment of, um, healing in my life. I started to pray and then I would see the prayers answered. And as, as I started to see the proof or the evidence of this spiritual reality, I became more and more curious about it. Um, and that, really is what led me to where I am today, which, you know, 10 years later, I've done thousands of hours of different types of yoga trainings and meditation trainings, um, a lot of personal development. I, I dove back into writing and the arts and got a degree in literature and a degree in studio arts and have spent the last 10 years seeking um, the divinity in myself and in others through these different pathways. Um, and and in seeking that divinity in others, that's really what led me to what I do now, which is I'm a business coach for creative female entrepreneurs. And I work mostly with women in yoga, wellness, and the arts to help them find the divinity in themselves, um, to access their own hotline, whatever that is, um, and create their own spiritual agency and autonomy so that they can be effective in doing what they love and then making money doing it. So that's my story. <laughs> what a story and what a transformation. You've, you've gone through almost like the hero's journey, going around a full circle. Um, wow, that's amazing. So, Emily, I'm curious because you've, you have gone through, and it is a very unique story, by the way, uh, what would be that one piece that changed your life for the better, that one radical shift? We can identify a radical shift as a moment, or we can identify a radical shift as a change in perspective. I think mine was both. And I think that the shift started 
with that concept of there being something available to fill me. But I think where it really um, integrated in me was the realization that the divinity that I can see in everyone else, that I see the greatness that I can see in you and in him and in her, that I'm not separate from that, that that is in me too. Um, and so it's just a matter of me finding the ways to uncover it. So, um, Emily, I know, I remember, um, you, there was a, a mention of you breaking your back surfing. Yes. Yeah. Did you want to talk us through that? Yes. That was definitely a big shift in my career path. Um, I was 20, maybe 26 years old and I was, I had decided that I was going to go back to school and become an attorney. Um, or I thought that was the path that I was headed for. I was going to finish a degree in journalism and then go on for a master's degree and become an attorney. That's what my dad did. And I thought that seemed like a good idea, but I was definitely headed for the path of what I thought I should do rather than what my soul calling was. And, um, it was summer of 2012. My husband and I had the previous, uh, a few months back purchased a sailboat to live on and sailed 500 miles from the central coast of California down to San Diego. So we were living on a sailboat and we went out to surf one day at a break called church, which is near trestles um, in San Clemente, California. It was a really crowded day in July. There's probably 110 people in the lineup. There's like 10 different peaks. So it's, you know, it's a great surf break. Um, but I caught a good wave, went left and, and, fell off um, or jumped off and I was coming up from underwater and I got T-boned right in the spine by a girl on a really big longboard who didn't have control over her board. And, you know, in that moment, um, my torso went forward and all my limbs went back and I went underwater screaming involuntarily. And I just knew like something is very, very wrong. Um, and I came up out of the water and thankfully, you know, our bodies are so incredible. I went into shock threw myself up on my board and let myself get dragged by the next set wave onto the beach. Um, it was on a military base. So there's a lot of very helpful United States Marines around and I was able to get one of them to paddle out, flag down my husband and his friends. Um, but I went through an experience of about 12 weeks of paralysis. I couldn't move for 12 weeks. It wasn't a total paralysis. Thankfully my spinal cord was not injured. Um, but the injury kept me in a bed. I couldn't go back to my sailboat. We had to stay at my in-laws house for three months, which you can, it depends what your relationship is with your in-laws. But that was a challenge in and of itself. Um, and so I had these 12 weeks to lay in a bed and think about what I really wanted my life to look like. And what I realized in that experience is that for me, joy comes from movement. And I said that earlier, you know, that flow state that comes from dancing or doing yoga or surfing. And I realized when I was unable to move that if I could do just one thing for the rest of my life, that I, I wanted to move my body. I wanted to surf. I wanted to practice yoga. I wanted to stand up paddle. I wanted to dance. And I wanted to really embrace movement as one of those tools that helps us access um, a higher consciousness. And so... I decided to not go back to school at that time. Um, I, I would later go back to school, but I decided at that time that I was going to take three years and with the blessing of my husband, who is helping to support us, that I would try to build a business around movement. And at the time, Stoked Yogi was a blog and I was just writing about my, um, you know, my adventures on the sailboat and 
to, you know, my love of yoga, but I decided to try to take Stoked Yogi and turn it into a business. And, um, and that's exactly what I did. I committed three years and said, if in three years we're not in the black, um, then I'll give up and I'll go back to school and I'll become an attorney. But if in three years I can build a successful business, helping people find empowerment through movement, um, then that's what I want to do. So that was a huge pivotal shift in my life because it was an opportunity for me to witness what was really important to me um, and do something in alignment with my actual passions and loves instead of what, you know, I felt like society or my family or other people said I should do. Mm, I love that. And it's that's always the case, isn't it? It's when you slow down, you're able to see it from a different perspective. Yeah, especially yeah. when you can't move at all. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's interesting, isn't it? It's like it's 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 funny. We were just having this conversation the other day with my husband. It's it's you've got to be so careful what you ask for. And uh, there was a perfect example. Um, one of my clients who uh, wanted a break, he was like, "I just need a break. Just need a break from work." And what happened? He broke his leg. So, oh my gosh! Yeah. So you just got to be. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Three, three weeks before that happened, I was literally saying, I just want more time to write. I just want to be able to focus on my blog. That's all I want to do. <laughs> I broke my back and I had plenty of time to write for the next couple months. That's right. We've got to be so, I think, more conscious. And, and when we ask, to make sure that we ask in the proper way, I think, because we always get what we ask for. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, in many different traditions and philosophies, there's teachings that talk about the power of life and death is on the tongue. You know, what you think about, you bring about, um, what you speak comes into being. And when you even just think about the way everything in the universe is manifest, like first it's an idea. So it's that subtle thought vibration. Then we speak it into words and the words have a vibration. They have the sound current, which is more, um, gross or more tangible than when it's just an idea. And as we speak it, we say it to somebody else that then becomes a vibration in their mind and it, it proliferates, right? And then it's, it's only these ideas and these words that were the foundation of everything in existence from, um, you know, the Taj Mahal to, um, the, the rockets that go to the moon. All of those things started as just ideas and then words. And I've seen countless times in my own life the power of my own speech and really only over the last year, year and a half have I started to harness that with great intention. I used to roll my eyes when people would talk about affirmations because, you know, I hang out with a lot of new age kind of woo woo people and I was like, I don't really know about all this affirmation stuff. I mean, I get it. Speak positive, positive psychology. But a year ago, my husband was having really severe back problems, um, severe neuropathy, drop foot. And we have a toddler and it was like he, we were facing him never being able to work again. Um, and I, I started to use affirmations. And one of the affirmations that I used was my husband's back is healthy and strong. I also at that same time decided to just use them for everything from the number of clients and the amount of income that I had to, um, landing, you know, my first big speaking gig. And within three months of implementing affirmations on a daily basis, I had booked the 10 clients at the exact dollar amount that I wanted, going from zero for that offer. Um, my husband had had surgery, successful surgery on his back, where the success rate on that particular surgery is usually 30%. He was, he was in that 30% and had great success. 
booked my first speaking gig, which happened to be a TEDx, which is a very respectable speaking gig here in the States. And, and I think globally. Um, so the word is so powerful. What we say does shape our reality. And, and it's so important to, to check in with yourself and make sure that you're not, um, that you're not speaking death into your life, you know, that you're not speaking negativity when you have the power to really call in everything that you want through your words. Mm, so true. And I think it is very, very um, evident all the time when things happen around us. I always look at myself and go, how did you ask for this, Catherine? What did you think mm. about? What did you speak about? And it's, it's true. It always comes back to us. It's, it's, it starts with us. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, I relate to that very much. So, so Amelia, the other thing that I love to ask is what do you think would be a piece of advice that you would, if any piece of advice that you would like to share with that audience? And especially if somebody wanted to embark on a new career or in a new life, uh, what would be that one piece of advice from you? This is, I love that you asked that question because this is what I talked about in, in that TEDx um, talk. Whatever it is that you want to do, start. Okay. There are no big decisions and you will never be ready. So we spend so much time thinking, Oh, I'd love to do this thing, but it's a really big decision. I, I hate my job and I need to quit my job, but it's a really big decision. Or I'm in a toxic relationship, but leaving feels like a really big decision. There are no big decisions. What we perceive as the bigness of a decision is really just the impact that that decision has on our identity, how we view ourselves and, and, um, how we move in the world. So, you know, you also will never be ready. I mean, we're not ready for, for most of the things that we do in life. When babies are born, they're not prepared to survive outside of the womb. When we lose our virginity, we've got no idea what kind of messy experience that's going to be. Um, and when we stand at the threshold of death, for the most part, we're not ready for that either. But, but, we need to start anyway. Every good thing that I've done has happened because I started before I was ready. Taking action is not even about getting the result that you imagine as much as it's about being in integrity right now in this moment with the person that you want yourself to be, right? So when you notice yourself being triggered and jealous of other people because of the the things that they're doing in the world, um, check in with yourself and ask, what is the first step that I can take in that direction that I can do right now? Because there's always something that you can do right now to live in integrity with the person that you want to be and to operate, you know, in what you want to do. So my advice is start now. Stop mm, waiting. I love that. I love start before you are ready. I think that's, that's one of the, you know, I think for me, I can only speak for myself, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So when I think about start before I'm ready, it's like I've got to get it right. But I know that that's just another way of me getting in my way. Uh, and, you know, so now I practice more of just jump in and work out, you know, as you go through it. It might not turn out, but give it a go. Yeah, because pretty much everything that we learn how to do, we learn along the way, you know, and the de the dictionary definition of readiness. So read to be ready is the state of being fully prepared. And while I, I appreciate those, um, rather than call them perfectionists, like your tendencies toward excellence, 
that's awesome. But um, we can't actually ever be fully prepared, right? No matter how much education, experience, training, apprenticing, all of that that you do, life is still life and life is still going to provide circumstances that you could never anticipate. So even when you're as prepared as you can possibly be or as ready as you can possibly be, there's still going to be aspects of whatever unfolds that you could never have expected. So really, you could never be truly ready. And, you know, that doesn't mean be irresponsible. It's not like I'm saying go out and perform heart surgery on someone if you have no idea how to do that. Please don't do that. Um, but I think that so many of us put off doing the, 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 the things of greatness in our lives because we think that there's either someone's going to give us permission or there's going to be some sort of milestone or marker where we actually decide that we're good enough or that we're ready. And those, I think those are mirages. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're always going to feel a little bit of imposter syndrome. I don't even really like that, that label. I think we should just call it being human. And, and I think that we've got to just start because, um, you know, that's, that's where the magic happens. And that's where we can start learning. Every success is a series of failures, you know, it, and then once, once it becomes a success, all the failure, and I'm putting that in quotes, all of them become just part of the success. So you got to start. Yeah, I so agree. And I think failure to me, I don't look at failure as failure. I look at that as, you know, what did I learn? What's, is it more for me? It's a lesson. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and on that, Amelia, you've had an amazing adventurous life. What is one of your greatest lessons that you have learned thus far? Ooh. So my favorite lesson that I like to share is around truth, truth and honesty. Um, you know, some people think truth is subjective and I think that's a big philosophical conversation, but, but we all have our own version of truth that comes out through being as honest as we can possibly be. Right. And I believe that the truth always leads to freedom. So for many years, I was a habitual liar and maybe even a compulsive liar. And sometimes it didn't even make sense why I was lying. It was another one of those um, those coping mechanisms or trauma patterns that was, I think, rooted in people pleasing and perfectionism and not wanting people to see the real me or feeling like if people saw the real me, they wouldn't love me. So I needed to, to lie to be somebody different. Um, and for years, I mean, basically that 14 to 24, I was just constantly lying to everyone, um, my family, my friends, the bill collectors, um, employers, anybody and everybody. And after I, I started this prayer life and after I started to move into a spiritual awareness, there came a point which I was, I felt the call to just start telling the truth. Um, and it was, that's like one of the best things that's ever happened to me because it was such a radical concept to me at the time. But I remember consciously thinking, what if I just started telling the truth about everything to everyone all the time? <laughs> and it was like, oh, my gosh. And I thought, you know, the world's going to explode. Like, I, I don't know what I thought. I thought everything would probably fall apart. But something in me was prompting me to do that. And so I remember a bill collector calling me and, you know, I never answered the phone. I would always clear the calls or hide from them. And I decided to answer this one. And I answered. And they you know, started out with their kind of hard ass conversation about I'm going to be in so much trouble and this and that. And I, I just, I sat there and I just told them the truth. I told them 
a bit of what I just shared with you about my life. I told them about my problems with addiction. I told them about the the toxic relationship patterns I had. And I kind of had a therapy session with this bill collector. And they started to cry. And as they got towards the end of the call, they said, you know, I have a daughter your age. And she's struggling with some of the same things that you're struggling with. And, you know, sometimes we can get, um, we can get in over our heads in life, you know, and, and I think this person had a strong faith alignment and I'm going to cry talking about it, but they said, um, sometimes we just need a little bit of grace. So I'm going to give you that grace and I'm going to offer you to settle this particular debt for 10% of what you owe us. Are you able to do that? And I said, yeah, I can do that. And so I did. And um, that experience really shifted me into what if I just tell the truth to everyone all the time? And what I found in that is so much freedom, Catherine, because we all have parts of us that we're hiding and we all feel like if people see the real us, the full us, that maybe they'll leave us or we won't belong anymore. They won't love us. And the reality is that it's only when you tell the full truth that people can actually love the full you, right? Because they're actually then seeing the full you. And then when you can receive that love, it's so healing. And it allows you to um, to actually start to love yourself, which is what most of us are missing. So I believe the truth always leads to freedom. And if you are someone that's listening and you're in that pattern of telling lies, like I dare you to experiment with just telling the truth and see what happens. Wow. I've got goosebumps over goosebumps over goosebumps. And as you were speaking, it's like the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And it's so hard for most of us to stand in our truth. Mm-hmm. Purely because of all those things that you were saying, whether we, you know, feel like we belong or connect or be judged, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. I felt your emotion all, all across the ocean coming through here. So thank you for that. So the other thing that we'd love to unpack too, Amelia, is pain points. We believe everyone's got pain points. What kind of pain points do you stumble across? And how do you find your solutions to your pain points? And it might be just one or there might be a couple. Yeah, so I love that you asked this question, and I think that there's two that I come across every single day um, working with women, whether it's on the business side of my coaching or more of the mindset and spiritual side of my coaching. And those two things um, are struggling with confidence or lack of confidence um, and struggling with consistency. Um, so confidence affects us in all aspects of our lives. It affects our relationships. It affects our, our career. It affects, um, you know, our body image and confidence is something that I think people have kind of a false ideal for. They, they expect that, um, there will be external changes, you know, they'll lose 10 pounds or they'll get the raise or they'll, uh, meet this partner and then they'll feel confident. And, you know, it kind of goes back to the same thing of starting before you're ready, but we have to have courage before we can have confidence because you don't actually have evidence to be confident in something, whatever it is, um, before you try doing it, right? So especially when this comes to like entrepreneurship or business, 
Um, so many of my potential clients or clients say, you know, Amelia, I'm really struggling with my offer or um, I just, I don't feel confident in showing up online or in using my voice. And it's like, well, have you ever done that before? Have you used your voice? Have you showed up online? Have you launched a business? Have you done that thing? And they say, well, no, I've never done it before. Well, why would you expect yourself to feel confident then? Um, you've never done it. So it's okay that you don't feel confident, but you have to have courage to show up anyway and to try. And like you said, to just take that first step. Um, because you'll learn from those non-failures, but learning lessons. And then the more you learn, the more confidence you'll have. Um, so that's one thing that I think is, is really a, a huge pain point that I face. And then the other is consistency. And this has more, this has more, I think, to do with entrepreneurship, but it also can apply with any area of your life where you want to see transformation. If you don't have consistency, you will not see results. And I am, um, I am a multi-passionate creative. So I used to really struggle with consistency or I had this story or this narrative that I was bad at consistency. And I was like, well, I just, I thought consistency meant drudgery. I thought it meant being trapped and not having any variety and not being able to, um, I felt it was like a loss of my freedom, right? To be consistent. And what I realized is that it's actually the opposite, that consistency is another one of those things that creates um, freedom and creates flow. Structure creates flow in your business and in your life. So whether it's showing up consistently for your workout routine, even if that's, you know, 15 minutes or showing up consistently for your breath work and meditation practice so that you can have clarity and calm or showing up consistently for your social media audience or your digital community so that they can know, like, and trust you so that they'll eventually buy from you. Um, or whether it's showing up consistently for your, your partner or your children, um, or your parents or your loved ones, like every good thing that you want to do, you got to do it more than once. If you just do it once, like, first of all, you're not going to be any good at it. And two, other people aren't going to trust you to continue doing it. And if they don't trust you to continue doing it, then you don't have the foundation for success in it, whatever it is. Um, so one, you know, one of my favorite quotes is from Jay-Z, the musical artist, and he's, you know, a mogul and very, very successful financially. Um, and he said, the genius thing that we did was we didn't give up. And I'm like, yeah, man, that is genius. Because when I started to actually be consistent, specifically in my business, and what I mean by that is I committed 60 days to showing up and being visible, not just in the digital space, but in analog, talking to the people at the grocery store, showing up consistently um, for my local events, not canceling any any sessions or any classes, and talking to people every day in every opportunity about my area of service, it was like the floodgates opened. It took, but it took three weeks out of that 60 day commitment for me to start seeing traction. And that may not sound like a lot of time, but for someone who had previously had the attitude of like, Oh yeah, Catherine, I tried that thing once and it didn't work <laughs> to go to like, okay, I'm going to try that same thing with non-attachment every single day for 60 days. And if it takes that whole 60 days for me to see results, fine. Um, or you could say the same thing of like, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever it is that you want to learn how to do 
as many times as it takes until I see success. If that's five times, great. If it's 50, great. If it's 500, then that's how many it takes to see success, but I'm just not going to stop. Um, that has been a huge pain point that I've dealt with. And the solution that I've found is, um, pick a period of time that you can be consistent and committed to treat it as a grand experiment, show up for yourself. And I promise you, you're going to experience shift and transformation and change in the direction that you want to go. Mm, I love that you've got a timeline because it's, and you hear it all the time, you're lucky to survive in business the first 12 months. And, and I think it's, it's what you're, exactly what you talk about is that they don't show up or they try it once or mm-hmm. they don't try it at all. Um, what are your thoughts about why people uh, don't succeed in business for the first 12 months? What do you think gets in the way? Apart from not showing up, what other things do you see? Because you work with a I think, e- yeah, expectations. I think expectations are really tricky. And, you know, if, if people feel like this is contradictory with saying, like, well, do your affirmations and set your intentions and create goals, yes, that's all very important. But when you have expectation or attachment to those goals, that is, um, it's not even about it being unrealistic. It's just, it's an attachment where you're going to take, uh, you're going to take not meeting those goals as a reflection of your worth and attach your worth to that in a way that you then say, well, not this project failed or not this project needs to be refined, but I'm a failure. Um, that's really dangerous, right? So I think people have expectations too within the first year that, uh, they've got a product or a service and they're going to launch it and people are just going to flock to them and they're going to make money and that it's going to be easy. <laughs> and it's, that's just not how it works. Um, it's not, it maybe, maybe for some people it does work that way and that's fantastic. But for most people that I know, um, I believe that the first year is about seeing what works and doesn't work. And so that same idea that it is a grand experiment and that there is a lesson in everything. And, and like you said, Catherine, reframing failure as, as a learning lesson. Um, and I think it's important to create an exit strategy, but I think that, you know, your exit strategy, um, if you can, if you can push that out to three years, fantastic. And if you can create a framework for yourself of sustainability within the first year of business where you don't have an expectation that your business is going to immediately support you, but you maintain your other support systems, whatever those are, whether you, you know, took a loan that was sufficient to cover a few years or whether you asked for help from a family member or whether you kept a day job and you ran your business as a side hustle like lowering your expectations, I think is what I'm saying. Still set your intentions, have, have goals and apply yourself with consistency towards those goals, but allow yourself to receive the information and the lessons in your setbacks and refine what you're doing instead of just saying, well, that didn't work. I'm going to throw in the towel and give up, which I think is what so many people do. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's a great way to step into business with that mindset that everything is an experiment and we learn through experience as well as to what's landing what's not landing yes Mm. so amelia if we were to go back in time what advice would you give your younger self 
Oh, my sweet younger self. I would tell her to trust in her goodness and in her intelligence and in her sense of humor. Um, I would just tell her, I would tell her that everything's going to be okay. <laughs> and I would remind her that what she thinks is important for her success isn't right because my my younger self really thought that I needed to be beautiful so that people would love me and that it was my body um, that was going to make me worthy in the world because it would help me find a man or become famous or whatever. Um, I would tell her that she was going to make it through and that she was resilient. She had everything that she needed within her to succeed. So, you know, I think Winston Churchill said it. If you're going through hell, keep going. That's what I could tell her. Oh, I love that. That's a great, um, great quote to remember. So, Emily, the other thing that we love to ask our woman of inspiration to is to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? Real. Mm, I can see that. You are very real, very grounded, very down to earth. And the other thing that we love to ask our woman of inspiration is to pick three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to share with our listeners. So they could be three practical exercises for our audience. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to share with our listeners today? Yes. Well, so I think I'll recap a little bit of what I already shared with you. But um, one is to narrow your focus in the area of your life that you're that you're seeking transformation um figure out one area of your life that needs consistency and make a commitment to show up for yourself for 60 days without excuses so rather than thinking i need to fix my relationship my, my communication uh, my fitness my diet all of these things at once just choose one and make a commitment to show up for 60 days for that goal um, and, and make them smaller action steps towards that. And you'll be amazed what happens. Um, so one is that consistency. Two is to breathe more. Um, and, and I'm not sure, you know, if your audience base is already really into the mind body tools, Catherine, but your breath is your lifeline. It is literally what sustains us and keeps us alive. So um, block out a few minutes and you can put this as a reminder in your phone or you can uh, take it as three minutes as soon as you wake up and before you go to bed. Um, but let's set those minutes to just focus on long, deep abdominal breathing. So breathing all the way down into the belly, the rib cage, and the chest. I'm really focusing on lengthening the exhalation and, and if you can only do one minute, then do one minute. But if you can do three minutes a couple times a day, uh, that will have a huge healing effect on your mind, on your body, um, and, and on your, your anxiety if you, if you struggle with that. So breathe more. Um, if you need more energy, there are also, um, energizing breath work tools that you can use that are actually more effective even than a cup of coffee. So, uh, learning about breathwork, I think, is a great thing that you can do to change your life that's free, and you can do it anywhere at any time because you have access to your lungs. Um, and then the third is to tell the truth. So, you know, I shared why that's so important for me on a spiritual um, level and on a practical level, but also, you know, 
for many of the, the listeners who are entrepreneurs or business people, our culture is really oversaturated with information and with noise. So if you're just parroting what other people are saying, um, or if you're modeling yourself on, you know, other people who are influential, those people are influential because they learned how to cultivate their authentic truth and how to use their voice. So when you cultivate your voice and you share some of your shadow stories like I did today and let people see your humanity and get really honest with people, they're going to notice that because it's different. It stands out from the crowd. Um, and it creates loyalty. And if you're looking to create a deeply engaged community of, you know, a thousand raving fans of these people who are just die hard for your business or your offer, that starts with showing up and telling the truth. Oh, that's so true. And, you know, I think that from an energy perspective too, it's not natural for us not to tell the truth. And so if we are not telling the truth, then we're – uh, emitting that energy and others are picking up that we're not telling the truth and then therefore it's almost that it's a replica it replicates what you're putting out so then they don't feel comfortable standing in their truth whereas mm -hmm. when you start standing in your truth you're actually giving permission to others to stand in your truth yeah and you know we can that's beautiful thing that we can observe on the metaphysical level but also mirror neurons like that's happening on the physical level in our biomechanics, like when we sit face to face with somebody and we have conversations, we mirror their body posture, we mirror their facial expressions. And you're absolutely right, Catherine, that then when we're speaking the truth, they're affected to want to do the same thing back and what freedom that unlocks for them, especially if that's something that's unfamiliar with them. So, you know, give it a go, give it a try with somebody in your life and see what happens. Mm, so, so true. So, Amelia, where is the best place for our tribe to find you? You can connect with me online on the web. My website is stokedyogi.com, or we can connect on Instagram at stoked underscore yogi. And you can also keep an ear out for a new podcast launching for me in the month of October called Totally Stoked. And that's on iTunes and Spotify. Oh, looking forward to that. Thank you so much, Amelia, for coming on the show and sharing your story and your wealth of wisdom and your passion and your emotion. It's been amazing. Thank you so very much. It was absolutely my pleasure, Catherine. Thank you for having me. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift. Where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook. To soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.